I heard that our kids will be staying in here today. Uh, and so, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry? Oh, the tiny tots can go? I guess that's me. Praise God. <laughs> the, the tiny tots can go. <laughs> all right, all right. Just for a few minutes, I want to be, I'm going to be starting a series even though I, uh, not be able to start it next week, or I'm going to start it today, but not get going on it until about two more weeks. Uh, how many of you know this year is passing really fast? Things are happening, good things are happening. I really pray that you can pray about coming next week to hear Pastor Chuck Marr. Uh, by the way, I know we've got a lot of people missing, sick, some people traveling today, uh, some funerals taking place, some things like that. Uh, so we want to just continue to pray for uh, church family members. But I really believe uh, Pastor Chuck has a, a word for this church next week. A very prophetic young man, uh, Bethel graduate, three-year Bethel graduate, and uh, him and I have just kind of really struck a chord, just a real connection, and we, we really have just connected, and uh, the Lord's really brought our hearts together. He's co-pastoring in San Antonio, but really pray that you can... I uh, really pray about that coming next Friday night, Saturday morning, and Sunday morning. It's going to be a powerful time. Amen? Amen? How many of you believe that our culture can affect us? Yeah. I, I want to, the Lord really laid in my heart a couple months ago to, I, I started a, in a study just on a kingdom culture initiative. And I'm going to be starting a series on a kingdom culture. I've, I've come to realize as a Christian, just as a Christian, that you can teach a lot of things in the Bible and people see them as things we need to do. But unless it becomes part of our culture, unless the kingdom of God becomes our culture, people will do things out of duty rather than relationship. They'll do it out because they have to do it. Uh, we can teach on water baptism, obedience. We can teach on worship, tithing, discipleship. But if the culture of the kingdom is not in our hearts, it becomes an event or a scheduled time on a calendar. And how many of you know Christianity is not an event or a scheduled time on the calendar? It's a lifestyle. Everyone say lifestyle. God wants us to embrace a lifestyle of the kingdom. And, you know, my lifestyle doesn't always involve mountaintops or valleys. Uh, and so I want to just take you in the Word for a few minutes. And I want to just turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. This morning I'm going to read a verse, and then I want to show a clip that really gives us a panorama of where our culture is around us today. Matthew 16, verse 13, says this, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, by the way, this is Caesar's backyard. It was a regional outpost, but it was a very, very interesting place. A lot of idolatry in Caesarea Philippi, and it's interesting that Jesus asked this question in this region. And he says this, Who do men say that I am the Son of Man? Or who do men say that I am the Son of Man am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. Then he directs the question directly to his disciples, and he says, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of 
of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. <clears throat> whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Notice where back in verse 18, Jesus said to Peter, he says, and I will build my church. Ecclesia. It's the first time the word church is used actually in the entire Bible in this verse where Jesus uses the word church. Everyone say the word church. I know that means a lot of things to a lot of people, but let's pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to just give us ears. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Lord, we know that we are in a shift in our culture. We know we're in a shift in the church. Father, I pray that the reality and the power of your kingdom, Lord, would become such a reality to us, Lord, that we begin to live from heaven to earth rather than from earth to heaven. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You could just see that clip for a minute. Do you go to church? No, not usually. Uh, no, I do not. Not as much as I used to, to tell you the truth. Did you used to go to church? Uh, at one point in time, yeah, when I was little. I go to church like Christmas, Easter. I think that you can also still believe in God and not have to go to church. Why don't you go to church now? Because I went to church probably too much when I was a kid. Why don't you go to church? Uh, I'm usually hungover on Sundays. I work on Sundays. I don't, I don't have time. What's keeping you from going out? Um, just not my thing. I believe in more of like a spiritual one-on-one -on -one relationship with God. There's not really a religion that I found that I really felt connected to. I don't feel like it uh, really gives me a lot uh, in this day and age. I have too many other uh, worries. It's kind of a, a time commitment as well. For me, like I think it just works better just to do my own kind of thing. I find God's church very hypocritical. So therefore, I find God hypocritical at the same time. I'm not saying uh, it doesn't serve other people's needs, but it doesn't serve mine. Expectations people don't live up to, and it's just kind of a crowd that I usually don't like to be around. Do you know a lot of people who go to church? Yes. Does it look like that makes a difference in their lives? No. Do you think church is relevant today? It depends, I think. I believe it is. It's more, I think, for older people and more mature people actually well actually uh the churches that i've gone to they normally don't address topics that are dealing directly with me sometimes i go to church and i feel like it's um not something i can relate to and then some of the times when they address topics that do uh, deal with things that i encounter in everyday life they don't they just kind of touch on it and then move on to the next thing where the bible's taught i believe that it can be worked into today's issues in, in the world around us. Do you think there's anything a church could do to make itself more relevant to you? That's a good question. I have no idea. I don't think I'd go anyway. Do you believe that there's anything a church could do to make itself relevant to you? Um, not really. I don't feel like you have to go to church to be a good person. That's sort of where I stand on that. Just being more flexible and willing to understand that people are people and we do make mistakes, and that's just the way it is. 
there shouldn't be any judgment. It should just be that support group. Somehow try to make things a little bit more adaptable and adapted to today's needs and today's, um, I guess, apprehensions for such a, an unsteady and, and scary world that we live in. Do you go to church? Yes, I do. Why do you believe it's important to go to church? It's changed my life completely um, from someone who was hopeless, uh, had no idea about purpose, um, was desperate to know what my destiny and purpose was, and it's brought me to a place where I'm growing every day. Um, church has been something that I, I may not even be alive today if it wasn't for church. Welcome to our culture. You know what? I agree with them. I agree with them. How many of you believe Jesus wants us to make an impact on our culture? I remember a day where we used to be critical with people who didn't go to church. But you know what I see in this video? <clears throat> the church is not letting her light shine. The church is not relevant. We're in our walls and I'm not saying that what they're saying is right. I'm just saying, how many believe that light shines brighter than darkness? We live in a culture, most of them were young people. I mean, the, the past several months, God has really laid on Carol and I's heart about a concern for young people. College and career. And today, there's confusion, there's concern about whether God the church, the Bible is even relevant. I personally love to have conversations with agnostics and atheists. I love to do that. Not to get into an argument, because the issue isn't about argument. I want you to write four things down, because this generation is interested in four basic things that I believe the gospel of the kingdom brings. And unless we bring these four things to this generation... Our gospel is flat. Everyone say flat. It's flat. It's dead. The first thing that this, our generation, the millennials, the Xers, I mean, whatever you want to call them. I, I just call them young people that are, that are awesome young people, even though they're unbelievers. But what they're looking for, number one, is relationship and belonging. They want relationship and belonging. Number two, they want reality and they want experience. Everyone say experience. They want reality and experience. They are not joiners. They don't join a church or a denomination because you're part of a church. They don't join because it's the thing to join like us older folks used to and stay committed to it. They're not joiners. They're used to connecting. The next thing this generation is really looking for is a sense of cause and purpose. What is the real purpose behind your message and what you what is our vision and purpose? Amen. And the last thing is this. They're looking for hope. They're looking for hope. These four things is what this generation is looking for. What this video shows me, not in any way to be negative against the church, and I'm not just speaking about our church, but 
what this shows me is, are we as a church and as the church, are we doing what Jesus said to do? And here's not to indict, intimidate, but either our light is not shining or we have not experienced the reality and the power of the Holy Spirit and we're not necessarily healthy or healed ourselves. And so what ends up happening is we begin to sow a negative message into our culture. And we don't begin to reach out because we just write them off. I believe God wants us to care about this generation. I believe he wants us to not look at those who challenge our theology and challenge what we do and start saying, you know what? I want to hear what you have to say. I'm going to hear why you have to say it. I'm going to believe we could, we could be a little more flexible. Jesus said you don't put new wine into hardcore, unflexible wineskins. You can't put anything. The Holy Spirit is something that's expanding, stretching us all the time. In this passage, we find that Jesus was asking a very simple question. By the way, do you know that when Jesus asked the question, how many of you know he already knows the answer? He's not looking for Mr. Right answer here. What he's asking for is he's seeking to find out what we know about him because what we know about him is the thing that begins to transform our whole worldview and it begins to change the way we think and the way we see life and then it begins to affect our values and our absolutes and our whole system. So when we talk about a kingdom culture initiative, if the church has not embraced the message of the kingdom as a lifestyle, and we are just church people with our church hat on, guess what? We're not going to impact our world. How many of you believe we need to experience the love of God? There are two themes throughout the New Testament. The theme is the kingdom, and the second theme is the church. The message is the kingdom. The vehicle is the church. The church is not a building. It's not just where we do programs and meetings or sermons or even healings or ministry. The church is an organism that is a movement. Everyone say movement. It should be moving, growing, thriving, expanding, breathing, creative, enlarging, and that's what the church is, the ecclesia. It's, it's, it does involve a family, involves purpose, it involves values, but here we find that Jesus in Matthew chapter 13 asked a very simple question when he said, who do men say that I am? And what I think is interesting here is when he asked the question, Peter gives the answer, and I want you to write three things about the church. We talked about four things that this culture is looking for. By the way, those four things are not something I made up. I actually did my research. They're looking for relationships. They're looking for hope. They're looking for experience in reality. And they're actually looking for a sense of relationship, belonging, and love. They want to know, will the church be able to handle their mess? 
How do you handle people's mess? How many of you believe the world's messy? How many of you believe you're messy? Do you know what? We're all a mess. We've all been messy, haven't we? Do you know why God gives you grace for your mess? So you'll have grace to help other people in their mess. But for some reason in the church, we feel that when we become Christians, that we have no mess and we put on a face and we, we put on this grin of truly trying harder to be good. I'm going to be a good person and I'm not going to do bad things, but I'm going to do... And we fall into this performance mode rather than fully understand the love and the grace of God. The love and the grace of God, by the way, is not a ticket in any way, shape, or form for me to continue in sin and where grace is a sloppy grace and God just kind of... Over. No, the purpose of the grace of God is, first of all, to accept and embrace me right where I'm at in my mess, just like a brand new baby embraces me where I'm at and grace also empowers us with a sense of confidence that my Heavenly Father loves me and is so patient with me as He is continuing to transform me. Amen? His love is not just an acceptance of where I'm at, but He loves me so much that He won't leave me where I'm at because He wants to transform us. Amen? He wants to give you relationship, a sense of belonging. He wants to give us a sense of purpose. He wants to give us. And so when Jesus asked this question, who do men say that I am? What, that he's, what he's really doing is he's trying to get the focus off of just our traditions and what we're doing in a church or the way we think because the Bible says, Jesus said this, if I am lifted up, What's the promise with that? He will draw all these kind of people. If I am lifted up, he didn't say, if we lift up open heavens, church. He didn't say, if we lift up a person. If we lift up our program, he said, if I am lifted up. The message of the kingdom is Jesus and all that he has done. What is so amazing in this passage, and the Holy Spirit showed me a couple months ago, is when Jesus, Peter gives the answer, you're the Christ, ding, ding, he wins the prize. No, that's not what it's about. When Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, Jesus, just like, and, but notice what Jesus does. He addresses Peter by his given name. He says, Simon Barjona. Do you know what that means? First of all, he's a descendant of Jacob, which means surplanter and deceiver. But Simon also means a reed shaken in the wind. What Jesus is saying, Simon Barjona, who we all know who Simon was, he was unstable. He was a weak man. He always had his foot in his mouth. Simon was a very unstable, unpredictable, a guy with a lot of impetuous desire in life, loved to move ahead in things. He was a guy who usually acted really without a whole lot of thought. He made lots of mistakes, but Jesus addresses him by his father's or his surname, his given name, 
And he says this, guess what, Simon? Your heavenly Father has given you an understanding of the kingdom and an understanding of who I am because flesh and blood didn't give you this, but my Father in heaven. Jesus is actually saying that weak, unstable people, when their life is a complete mess, can still understand mysteries of the kingdom. What's the message? It's called, and I want everyone to say this with me, restoration. What is the message of the kingdom? Restoration. He's coming to restore broken people, and guess what? He's even going to restore them in such a way where they can actually download revelation. Because Jesus said, Simon, you didn't figure this out. Your heavenly Father has revealed to you who I am. Now, that may shock some of us. But what Jesus is really saying here is the key to mystery and revelation is not just having the right answer or doing the right thing, but it's confessing and putting faith in who Jesus is in spite of who I am and how weak I am. It's the message of restoration. What's the purpose of the church? To restore. To, to, to empower people with hope. But I love what Jesus says because in verse 17, Jesus reveals what the Father says about Peter. But then verse 19, or 18, Jesus now steps up and he says, Now, Peter, I say unto you, the Father has revealed mysteries of the kingdom to you as Simon, but I say unto you, you are Peter. In other words, Jesus was saying, Peter, I'm going to give you an identity makeover. Everyone say makeover. Jesus doesn't refer to him as Simon Barjona. He refers to him as Peter the Rock. Actually, the word in the Greek means little rock. Jesus says this to Peter. He says, I now call you Peter. Jesus begins to use the word. A key word in this text is the word say. Who do men say that I am? As soon as Peter says it, then Jesus says, now I say unto you, your heavenly Father says unto you, something is connected in our confession. But it's not just a confession because anybody can confess anything. But it's a confession based upon an actual reality, an actual faith in who Jesus is, and my faith is what he does. It's not how I perform or how I try. And Jesus begins to say, you are Peter. I want everyone to say the word significant. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have significance. Jesus doesn't say, Peter, you are Simon. Now, it's interesting, later on in the text, in the history of the three and a half years Jesus' ministry, Jesus actually will call Peter Simon occasionally because Peter, as we all have done, how many of you know you can be walking in the grace and the power and really walking on the mountain one day and really doing victorious, and the next day you kind of revert back to your old nature? And so Jesus referred, when, in John 21, when Jesus came and cooked the fish and and met Peter and asked the three questions. He asked Peter. He didn't say, Peter, do you love me? He said, Simon, do you love me? He said, Simon, do you love me? And then, you know what Jesus said after that? He said, feed my sheep. Even in his old nature, Jesus was reminding him, you know what, Simon? 
I know you're kind of falling back in your old nature, but my mind hasn't changed about what my plans are for you in the future. He began to empower Peter with a vision that he had put on the shelf. You see, one thing the devil loves to do, how many of you know that Satan is the accuser of the brethren? He would love us to be stuck in the past. We're stuck in a failure. We're stuck in a problem. Here Jesus said, you are now Peter the rock. I need to begin to wake up. I believe I'm talking to some people here right now that are mountain-moving, giant-killing, boat-sinking, people-launching. I believe I'm speaking to people here right now that have such a prophetic and powerful anointing, and God has put dreams and put things in your heart, and you need to begin to step into the very thing that God has called you to. Now, here's the reason why. It's because this generation is attracted to people that are in a place where they belong. And when where there's been a mess in their life, God has cleaned the mess. God has empowered hope. God has empowered belonging. God has empowered a sense of purpose and vision. We're a very, very, very confused society. A society that measures itself. We're, even though we're very affluent, very wealthy society, yet we take drugs, we... We, we medicate ourselves on every way, shape, and form. We're looking for purpose and meaning, but yet there is such power in what Jesus is saying here, what he says, and he's really referring to the church. He says, Peter, upon this rock, not Peter the man, but Peter's faith and confession on Jesus as the rock. How many of you know Jesus is the big rock? Jesus is the rock. It's not Peter the man. It's not what he did. It's not just because of a simple confession. But upon the rock that Peter was putting his faith in confession, he says, I will build or construct or erect the church, the ecclesia, the purpose, and the gates of hell are going to rock. You are going to be Satan's worst nightmare. Amen? And shall not prevail. Hell will not prevail against it. Now the third thing we find, not only does Jesus give him a makeover, but Jesus says to Peter, Peter, I'm also going to give you the keys. Everyone say the keys. What does the church have? First of all, a church has the message of restoration. Do you know what? Whenever you see someone in a mess because you've been transformed by a community, by a culture of the kingdom where you're living from heaven to earth, you always see and view people with hope. You see them through the eyes of Jesus where there is a compassion and a care and a concern. You see them in what they will and can be. How many of you believe we need to see that with people? I used to drive Lyft around town. And uh, when I was on, Carol and I, or when I was on my three-month sabbatical, I drove 277 passengers. I went with 277. And you know what? I, I was telling my wife this. I said, you know, Carol, I actually missed that job. Now, I didn't make hardly anything in it, but I missed the job. Do you, you know what? It, 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 it got me out of the church. It's not that I, I was, amen, praise God. Got Ray out of the church. Thank God. Let's get Ray out of here. But you know what happened? 
I was amazed. And you know, the Lord began to say, Ray, open your mouth and I will fill it. There were times where I'd be out on the run. And, you know, most people, when they get into a taxi, they just kind of get on their cell phone and they're like this. And they're really not talking. But one of my icebreakers, I'd say, so good to see you today. And they'd look at me like, you talk, you talk, talking to me? Yeah, it's good to see you. How are you? How's your day going? It's going pretty good. God, pretty good. Things are fine. Things are fine. You know, that's, that's kind of our culture. But they're not used to having people show kindness to them. And I said, I, I would say this. I'd say, you know what? This is going to be a great day for you. How do you know? Well, because I'm going to be praying that God just blesses you with favor and abundance and say, Wow. Wow, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, <coughs> yeah, <coughs> yeah, I, I could use a little bit of that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a church-going man myself. Yeah, I, I go to church too. Uh, is, are you soliciting? No, 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 I'm not trying to solicit anything. But they're taken, they're shocked that anybody would begin to speak life, hope, and future in them. Do you know that one-third not exaggerating, one-third of the people out of 277 people I picked up, I was able to pray for. This is an actual experience that took place. I picked up an African-American woman right over here in Richardson, had to take her all the way down to where she was a manager. By the way, she was 90% blind. And she was a manager at a Whataburger down off of, uh, right off of Central. I can't remember the road. I dropped her off at, at, at Whataburger. I'm taking her down the road, and uh, it was really early in the morning. She had to be there by 7 in the morning. So I'm taking her down this road, and down Central, and I'm driving my lift car, and, uh, and I was asking her, what do you do? I, I, and I'd say things like this. I bet you're an awesome manager. I bet you really got your crew working. She says, wow. Well, it's, I wish it was that way all the time, but yeah, I, I got some... I got some real challenges with employees. I seem to be flipping employees all the time. And I said, would you mind if I could just pray with you when I get you to your stop? She says, yeah. Now, she, she, was a, she was a Christian herself, and she went to another church. But I said, would you mind if I could just, just pray with you? I'd love to pray with you. And I said, because I believe God is going to give you wisdom, give you favor, and he's going to bring the right people across your path. And, I, and, the, and the Lord began to give me a word of knowledge. I said, you have been, you've been, uh, you know, I said, even though you, you are, have a visual issue, I'm going to pray that God opens your eyes. But I said, you know what's amazing? You are more perceptive about people than even people that have clear vision. She just couldn't believe that I would say that. You are more perceptive. Anyway, we get the Whataburger, and one, I turned around, I'm in the front seat, she was sitting in the back. I said, can usually I don't do this, but I said, because we had a good conversation. So I said, can I, can I just take your hand? She, she took my hand, and I prayed over her. The Holy Spirit came into that car, and she started weeping. And she asked me this. So the only time this happened out of 277 times. But she said, do you mind if I just sit here for a while? She, the presence of God filled that little car. And she was just crying. She used up over a half a box of my Kleenex, which is no problem. 
But I mean, she was <laughs> just all over the place. I mean, I'm saying, Lord God, oh Jesus, send me more napkins. But, but she, for about 15 minutes, just losing it. Not losing it. But the presence of God was just touching her. And, and I prayed for her sight. I, I wish I could tell you the Lord healed her sight. That didn't happen. But she, she took my, I, I did bring my little business cards, and I said, I want you to know God's favor is on you, and I see even people in management with, with Whataburger is seeing you as a real valued employer and manager. And she says, have you been talking to them? I said, no. No, I've been talking. I don't even know who Whataburger. I mean, I don't. I hate to say it, but I don't even eat at Whataburger. Uh, I, I actually, because I, that's the truth. I don't eat at Whataburger. But um, she said, "Has somebody been talking to you?" And she said, "This just four days ago, I got a raise." Just kind of. I, I said, "Well, maybe this is a confirmation." But here's my point, folks. Do you know before that happened, that morning? I didn't have any angelic visitations. There was no special move of God. The Holy Spirit didn't wake me up and say, guess what, you're going to pick up a blind woman today. By the way, let me tell you something else about another blind person that brought, can you imagine this? No kidding. I picked up a man that was a very, very large man, and he had a lab, a black lab service dog who he put in the front seat of my Civic (laughs) with himself. And I said, you know, we could, because as a lift driver, you cannot deny service dogs or service animals. So I said, well, why don't we put the lift dog or, in the, or the dog in the back, the lift dog, I'm the lift dog, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the service dog in the back seat. He says, no, I, I, want, I want the, I mean, we're talking about a 90-pound black lab in my front seat. And this is, no kidding. I just told you about the woman that was 90% blind. She could, she could see light and dark and some images, but that was about it. She had a very thick glass. But this guy was completely blind, and he wanted me to take him to another place, another blind woman he knew in the city. And I asked, can I pray for you? He says, no. Nope. I, really, I, I feel God wants to just touch on, thank you, but no. Nope. Okay, okay. And so I began to just carry on a conversation. I said, you know what, I, 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 you were amazing. I bet you are so gifted in some... Yeah, I can get my, I can uh, make it myself. I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm doing pretty good. You know, now, he did not want me to pray for him. Now, I didn't scold him. I said, well, go to hell then. <laughs> if you want to go to hell, if you, if you don't want a miracle, you know, just, just fry in hell, buddy. You know, I can't believe you don't want me to pray for you. I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm here to pray for you. No, no, we, we you know what? How many of you believe when people turn us down, they don't accept our words or our little Bible verses or our little cards or our business, we still need to honor people. still need to love them anyway. We, we need to let them feel, you know what, I am the luckiest guy alive to come across a path, your path. Do you know how that just opens doors? When Jesus is talking to Peter here, He's talking to Simon Barjona, a weak mess of a guy. He says, guess what, Simon? Your heavenly father's speaking revelation and mystery to you. Peter probably says, you're kidding. And everybody else is probably saying, are you sure about that, Lord? Because Peter, 
I'm sure Peter wasn't feeling anything. But here's the message of the church. The message of the church is we are to empower. We are to encourage. We're to stand beside. We're to help people see what they don't see. You may not get a download with a specific, accurate, exact word, but you know what will go a long way? Kindness. Patience. Sometimes I get people, I had people in my little lift car, and from the time I picked them up to the time I dropped them off, just, I hate my boss, I hate my husband, I hate the dog, I hate, I hate, I hate, what do you, what do you think about Donald Trump as president? Well, you know what? just gives me more to pray about. Praise God. It's a lot more to pray about. I'm glad he's in, but you know what? Maybe you're not. By the way, politics is not a good thing to get into as a Lyft driver. In some cases, even talking about Christian. But you know what? There's a lot you can do. And what I'm saying, I'm not trying to recruit Lyft drivers here this morning, but what I am trying to say is that the opportunities to be the church the church is not a monument. It's not a place we go to or 2215 West Belt. You are a church. You are organic. You are a movement. You are powerful. It's an impartation. And there is something when Jesus said upon this rock, what Jesus was trying to convey is you're giving something for people to hold on to. Something to build their life around because in this world they are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by the cunning slight of men. And the church needs to rise up and realize we are powerful. Jesus wasn't telling that to Peter just so he could have a good no day. Jesus was saying these things over Peter because Jesus was literally helping him to come into the fullness of the greatness of all that God had for him. Do you know what people like to hear? They love to hear the church begin to say, in spite of their sin, their weaknesses, and their failures, there's a future and there's a hope for you. And I am a blessed man to cross your path. You may be gay. You may be a witch. You may be a harlot. You may be a John. You, not John Stanson. You might, be, you might be this. You might be that. I am here to tell you right now, when people experience the life and the love and the hope and the belonging and the reality and the experience of people that embrace them. All of a sudden, ears open up, eyes open up, walls come down. People actually want to know, where are you? I'm attracted to a guy like you. I've been told how wrong I am and how hot hell is and I'm just not accepted in the church and my attire is not appropriate for your church. And I just don't relate to this church. And so the kingdom, the culture of the kingdom needs to start with us and we need to start embracing who Jesus is. Amen? Now I want to say this. All of us have a brain. Amen? We have a pre, amen, we have a prefrontal cortex, which is our law, law uh, 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 command center. 
and uh, it's our control center. It has to do with reason, logic, and boundaries. But in our limbic system, which has to do with our emotions and our subconscious center, we've got people today that have a lot of pain, a lot of hurt. We've been hurt by pastors and leaders and Christians and people, and it's buried in our subconscious mind. And Jesus needs to get some, there needs to be some healing in our hearts so we can be able to be strong. Because, folks, what the Lord's doing, and I want to say this in a very careful way, but in some ways, God's going to be throwing you into a lion's den. And instead of being insecure about it and afraid about it, we need to realize that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. But that can't happen until I really come to trust Jesus. Now, you know what I'm so glad? If you come down to the passage Here Jesus begins to say, after all this powerful prophetic word over Peter, he says to Peter, he says, Peter, or not to Peter, but all the disciples, he says, I got to go into Jerusalem. I'm going to be killed and crucified. Remember what Peter does? He takes Jesus aside, and Peter takes Jesus aside, begins to rebuke him. Can you imagine that? Rebuking Jesus. And then Jesus turns around to Peter and says, Get thee behind me, Satan. How many of you know that would just pop your balloon right now? But that's what happened. But here's, here's, here's the key to the, what, what Jesus said here. I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom, and whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. That does not mean that we just have our own desires to just kind of manipulate heaven. That's not what that means at all. Jump over with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, notice what the key. Here's how the keys are truly used. Notice John chapter 8, verse 28. Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father has taught me, I speak these things, and he who has sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. What is the key to the keys? Is that I live a life that pleases him. The key to the keys is that I'm living a life. Jesus was able to bind on earth and heaven bound it because Jesus lived a life that was pleasing to the Father. That's our journey. That's our journey. One last scripture. Jump over with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. One last scripture and I'm done. 1 Peter chapter 2. Four powerful things about the church. Four powerful things and with this I close. 1 Peter chapter 2 this morning. You know the text. Many of you already know this. 1 Peter chapter 2. By the way, I pray that you can stay for our potluck here after church here and enjoy our time together as well as our financial meeting. Notice what it says here. Verse 4, chapter 2. Coming to him as living stones, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious. You also are living stones. What is a living stone? It means you are alive, you are breathing, You are bringing life living. You're a living stone. A stone means that there's some solid and you are placed or fitted. We're fitted and framed together, Ephesians 2 says. We're a living stone being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable unto God. Notice what uh, goes on down here, verse 9. You are a chosen. Everyone say chosen. What is the church? They're a chosen generation. You didn't choose him, he chooses you. Number two, you're a royal priesthood. That means kingly, a kingly. That means this, is that you are, you have access 
to royalty. You're not a pauper. You don't have a poverty mindset. You're a royal priesthood. You have access into places, right into God's presence, right into his storehouse, right into his treasury. And we can call things that are not as though they are. You are not poor. You are rich. You're a royal priesthood as an intercessor. You intercede. You're a holy nation. What's a holy nation? What does that mean? The word holy means sanctified, set apart. You do not run with the world. The world runs with you. You're holy. Because the Bible says your bodies are the temple. And because I've been purchased by the blood of Jesus, I guard what comes through my eyes and my ears and what comes into my body because my body is the temple. I'm a holy nation. I'm part of a race of people whose citizenship is in heaven. We are the church. We are the church of the firstborn, a holy nation, a royal people, his own special. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're special. There's nobody like you. You're special. When you begin to declare that, parents, can I say this to you? We need to declare to our children they're special. We need to let them know they're special. You know what? I'm going to close with this today. My time's gone. But you know what? <clears throat> My wife and I were uh, blessed to our, our, uh, our son and daughter-in-law, Kim and David, allowed us to take Judah and uh, Reagan, and we were able to take uh, uh, Ethan with us, and we kind of had a celebration at the, was it the Rainforest Cafe? And by the way, if you've never been there, you need to go to the Rainforest Cafe. That was our first time. But you know what amazing, it, uh, um, Reagan has several birthdays, by the way, and uh, <laughs> we, we were the first one to go. But it, we, we told the waiter that Reagan's having a birthday, and so they brought her out a little cupcake. And I, th I was thinking it'd be a little bigger than that, but it was just, just a tiny little cupcake. And I, I, I just, I say this because <clears throat> I know the seeds that mom and dad have been imparting into her life. But when we were all sitting around there, we were kind of finishing our meal, Reagan decided to give everybody a piece of her cupcake. So she said, Ethan, would you like a piece of my cupcake? So Ethan came over and he opened his mouth and she put a piece of cupcake in it. And then she said, Judah, would you like a piece of my cupcake? And so she came over, and, and Judah came over, and he got a piece of cupcake. And then she looked at Grandpa. Grandpa, would you like a piece of cupcake? I said, well, you, you need to eat the rest. No, Grandpa, I want to give you a piece of cupcake, too. So I came around the table, and she put a piece of cupcake. Well, she only had a, a little bite left. And Grandma and, and Judah, or you didn't get a cupcake? Okay, we'll pray for you. But uh, <laughs> she didn't get a cupcake. But what spoke volumes to me? was little Reagan, I, I know I sound prejudiced, biased up here, but what I see is when parents begin to teach their children to give and serve, it begins to affect people around. But it has to be taught. Don't just assume, well, my kids, I, I, I hope they catch being a Christian. If you never teach them to serve and give, they're not going to do it. 
You gotta, you gotta teach them how to serve. And sometimes serving is sacrificing. Amen. What is the church all about? It's about restoration. It's about a identity makeover. And it's about walking in the keys of authority and power and wisdom. How many believe God wants there to be a kingdom culture shift in the church first before we can ever bring a change into our culture? Amen? Let's bow our heads. We're, in fact, I'm going to pray over the food because we're going to go right into this potluck this morning. Father, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you've come and, Lord, to empower us this morning. We thank you, Lord, that even in our messes, you come and you speak mercy, but you also come and bring a revelation of who you are. You bring a revelation of who we are and how you see us. And, Lord, you even transform our vision. You transform our lives. You make all things new. And, Lord, because we're in Christ, old things pass away. I pray that our culture, our mindset would be transformed by the love of God, by the hope that has come through Jesus. It's not faith in the right answer. It's not faith just in what I know, but it's in the person of Jesus. Lord, I just pray that you would heal, heal us and restore us so that we can in turn be a blessing and strength and serve our culture around us because they're, broken, they're a broken culture. We're, we're in a broken society. We need the church to arise and be all that she can be before you come back again, Lord. We thank you. Bless our time and fellowship today and food as we partake this afternoon. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen.